Welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. My guest this week is Libby Langdon, um, who is a renowned furniture and interior designer and who has some very exciting collections coming up. But Libby, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your career. And I, I mean, we know where you are now, but how did you get here? How did you, how did you get started in the business? Have you been designing since you were a child? Or tell me a little bit about how you got here. No, it's been a long and very winding road for me to get to where I am now. And honestly, design is a second career for me. Um, I, Before I worked in interior design, I actually used to act in and produce movies. <laughs> really? So, yeah. I, I feel like I should know that if you've been an actor. I. I... Yeah, I had a whole other career um, before I I started working in design, and I grew up in High Point, and and ended up moving to New York when I was 16 years old, and I was modeling, and uh, my parents were great enough to let me move to New York by myself at 16, and I finished. Um, School. I finished high school at a school called Professional Children's School in New York, and and it really allowed me to continue to model and work, and um, and a lot of the classes were by correspondence, and um, they were just very accustomed to kids that that worked, and uh, whether they were acting or musicians or ballet dancers or whatever, it was it was really you know, skewed to kids that that were in some sort of industry but still needed to finish high school. <laughs> so um, so I finished a professional children's school. I graduated. But, uh, you know, in the time that I first moved to New York, I was there for about a year modeling. And then I moved to Europe and uh, was modeling there. And then I came back and I finished high school. And my parents had said, you know, we're going to let you move to New York City by yourself at 16, but you still have to finish college. You got to go to you got to go to college. And so I ended up going to fashion design school because I I thought that was what I, the direction that I really wanted to go in in fashion. And so I went to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology oh, sure. in New York. Yeah, and so I went there and and then worked for a while in fashion and and just really <laughs> honestly you know me Bill they were the crankiest bunch of people I'd ever met in my life the people in the fashion industry and so it just didn't feel like a good fit for me and when I had moved to New York and also even just growing up in North Carolina, I was always very involved in theater and performing and and that sort of thing. And so so I kind of tapped back into that um, after after working in the fashion industry for a little while. So in New York, I got an agent and I started doing television commercials and and then voiceovers, and then it kind of led to 
doing a few stints on some soap operas. <laughs> and then eventually I started acting in, in more television. And and then that eventually uh, led to some movies. And so I had I had a whole other career. And um, but it, it was great. And, you know, I loved exploring that and and sort of that performing and being on kind of kind of experience and um and so I worked in the movie business for a while and I was actually married before and this is not an uncommon thing for a lot of designers design can sometimes be a second career for a lot of us and and I was married for 11 years and my ex-husband and I had a uh, movie production company and um, so we pro- produced all different types of films and I acted in some of them and um, and then when we got divorced I decided I just wanted to go in a totally different direction and uh, so <laughs> as crazy as it sounds I went to my agent and I was like all right I'm done with movies but I really love food and entertaining and and hosting and cooking and things like that. So maybe I could audition for some kind of food show. And at this time, you know, Food Network was really busy, you sure. know, really coming along. And um, and so my agent said, yeah, no, you know, for a food show, you kind of have to have a, a restaurant or a cookbook. And I was like, drag. I don't have either one. Huh. So uh, they said, but if you wanted to audition for an interior design show or one of these makeover shows, this was really the height of shows like Trading Faces and and things like that. They said, oh, you'd be able, to, you'd be a great fit for one of those. And so I was like, sure, you know, you're. I was newly divorced. I kind of had a certain amount of fearlessness to me, and I kind of thought. What's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing just happened. So, so my audition. Fearlessness really days. seems to be a characteristic. I mean, to go to New York City all on your own at 16 years old and to travel to yeah. Europe and modeling. And where does that fearlessness come from? You know, I think it's interesting because I think when I moved to New York and I, I did have a fearlessness for sure. Because I was just so determined. I was so excited to model. I was so excited to work. I was always very focused on that. And then I think as I got older and when I got divorced, that fearlessness came from just thinking, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it's interesting because I think when you work in the movie industry or you're an actor or, you know, you're picked apart. You're constantly criticized and people are always saying why you're not right for the part or, oh, your voice is too raspy or whatever it is. So you kind of get some tough skin. But I think what was really freeing for me when I started doing makeover television was I wasn't trying to be somebody else, you know, I got to be me, I got to be Libby. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that freedom. And, and I think also, 
not worrying about what people thought of me gave me a freedom and a fearlessness. I think so often in industries, whether you're creating products or you're creating designs or you can take things really personally. And and when you just let go of that, you you can start to act in in a very free way. And so fearlessness for me has been, I think, the thing that's helped me sort of catapult myself into another industry, into different aspects of the home furnishings industry. So so that has served me really well. And, and uh, you know, my biggest thing that I like to sort of tell people is, again, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, somebody might say no, it, it might not work out. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not always fearless, but I, I would say on the whole that that's a huge part of, of where I think my strength is as, as a designer and, and just as a person, I think. You, I mean, Anybody who knows you knows that, and I, I, I hesitate to call your smile a trademark, but I don't know that I've ever seen you without one. You are one of the most consistently happy, nice to be around, upbeat people that I've ever met. When you, <laughs> but obviously, given your career, and especially having been an actor, you understand rejection, as you talk about you know, having a tough skin. How do you deal? Do you have strategies? How do you deal with um, adversity? Because obviously you you do and you figured it out because you must bounce back quick. I mean, how do you minimize the downside when you have a bad day and how do you get yourself back in that such an upbeat frame of mind? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I would say <laughs> it's funny. I think a lot of times people ask my husband, Keith, when they meet him, they say, does she just wake up this happy? And <laughs> is she always like this or or is it an act? And uh, I I have to say, I'm, I am a happy person. I do think I learned from my parents um, very positive, upbeat attitude. And they always instilled in, in me and my siblings, you know, it's, it's so much more work to be unhappy and miserable than it is to be happy. And um, look, let's face it, I am not always happy. Sometimes things go wrong and, and every now and then I, I get a, a little bit tired of, of sort of, you know, being out there all the time, but, but I think that's natural. And, but I would say on the whole, I am really happy. I, I'm as happy as, you know, with the people at the grocery store who check me out as I am with my clients or friends in the industry. But, um, I think when I have the down times, uh, it's mostly, it's mostly the quiet time just at home where, I'm digging in and I'm working and I I think, you know, for me getting myself sort of back in it is is just waking up the next day and saying, All right, yesterday was a challenge. But I, I think what's important too is I'm a big one to say 
I'm going to make it a great day, not I hope it's a great day. And and I think when you can say, I'm going to I'm going to make this happen or I'm going to do this, uh, it feels more empowering than fingers crossed, hope everything goes well. So I think I set out with that intention every day and and it works most days and then some days it doesn't. Um, but I think uh, I think it's a state of mind. I, I really do. I think that's where that comes from. What what's your um, regenerative regenerative strategy? In other words, what do you do to kind of relax, unwind, kind of rebuild your energy? Right when you go through a real busy time, um, what recenters you? You know, I think the biggest thing that sort of recalibrates me is spending time at our house in Sag Harbor. We live in New York um, three days a week, and then we're in Sag Harbor four days a week. And I think it's amazing, and I try to kind of offer this to my clients, but when I walk into our house in Sag Harbor, I just start breathing in a different way. I, I just start relaxing, and to be honest, when I'm out here, and yes, I do work on Saturdays and Sundays, but I'm in yoga pants. I don't have any makeup on. My hair is in a ponytail. So that, you know, I've got all my comfy slippers. So those kind of moments are just very peaceful to me. I don't, I do go to the gym and I do that mostly as, as a stress reliever. Um, but there's not a lot of activities that I have time for or shame on me make time for um to kind of have a restorative sort of moment so it's more a sense of place and actually sag harbor as a place is something that just really feeds me and you know I, i'll tell my clients i say my goal is to create a space where you walk in you feel like you're just getting a big hug and that's what i feel like our home in Sag Harbor does. I, it's a Pavlovian response. I walk up the stairs from the garage and already I start just, you know, taking deeper breaths. And uh, so, so in that respect, that is very relaxing to me. And then uh, one thing that most people would never expect, um, one of my favorite things all time is I love to watch the New York Jets football. And I know it's a challenge some years to be a New York Jets fan, like the last few years. But I really enjoy on Sundays sitting down in front of the TV. My husband will make me a margarita. We make a big tray of nachos. And for three or four hours, I don't look at my phone. I don't think of anything else. I just watch football and I love it. And it's, it's really, that for me is something I just really look forward to all week long. So that's sort of unexpected, but it's very, that's a relaxing sort of ritual for me. I didn't, I didn't know that you were a Jet fan. I, I am a fellow sufferer. Oh, it's, it's hard to be us, but you know, I am not a fair weather fan. 
even if our team is not doing well. I'm still really into it. I just love it. I I do too. I'm completely with you. It's um, it's been a challenge for the last couple of years, and oh. you know, this year it looked like things were going well, and then not I so know. well. So, yeah. Arnold, Mono, what's the what are the chances? <laughs> I can't even begin to imagine. Can't even begin. Although I, we probably shouldn't. Um, talk too much about this. I'm sure most of the industry is probably thinking, the Jets, oh, no. I know. The Jets, <laughs> can't they both pick a better team? <laughs> exactly. But, you, you know, that's a funny thing. And, it, and whether emotion plays a big part in a lot of decisions, a lot of decisions in life. And I think it's the same thing about a football team. You don't like a football team, and then when they're bad, you stop liking them. Same thing with a baseball yeah. team. Um, so, you, you know, we like what we like. We like who we like, and... There it is. And you got to hope for the best. <laughs> exactly. But let's get back to um, your career. I find it fascinating that you approached TV and design from the side of, I want to do something with my, my acting and my comfort level in front of the camera. And I have this skill set that I'm going to develop. So you really took something that you, you did at FIT and started to build on that to create a fashion and design career. Yes, exactly. And you know, it's not unusual that people from fashion move into interior design or people from interior design move into fashion. They oftentimes intersect as careers. Um, I think for me, what I loved about working on the very first show I did was a show called Design Invasion, and I shot it for Fox, and I would have um, $6,000 and 12 hours to make over a room I'd never actually been in before. And what was amazing about that was it, A, got me moving into real people's homes across the country, whether we shot in Texas or Maryland or New Jersey or whatever. And that was an eye-opener, too. Let me tell you, it's crazy how America lives. You know, it's, it's kind of intense. And so moving into real people's homes across the country was a big eye-opener. And then the next part of it was almost that emotional connection that I think I had from acting and working on projects, but have that with a real person. And I was affecting the way they were going to live in their home. And I loved that. And I'll never forget, I shot the pilot for Design Invasion. And, um, you know, let's face it, they start with makeover TV. They pick some pretty bad looking spaces. But I did this one living room makeover and the couple came in 12 hours later and they both burst into tears. They were so wowed by the space. And then I started crying oh. and I just thought, oh my gosh, this is like the perfect hot mess of everything I can do, you know? So it, it, I left that night and I just thought, wow, this is, this is what I was put on the planet to do, not to act, not to design fashion, but a perfect medium of the two. And 
Um, and it just felt so great, you know, and, and at that point I just thought, oh, this is what my, this is my career now. So, uh, and then it was a natural progression after that to start my own firm and, and just start working with, with regular clients, not just makeover TV people. What was that like to make that transition? Did your celebrity help you get a jump start as you started your own design business? Or did you re have to really very much start that from scratch and don't go through the kinds of traditional steps that any startup business has to go through? You know what? It was a very simplistic view, Bill, honestly. And I look, I kind of parallel what I learned working as a producer in the movie business to the way I kind of started my interior design business. And it really was as simple because at that point, the show still wasn't going to be out or wasn't going to actually start airing for about another six months by the time I wrapped the last episode. And, um, you know, newly divorced, I was like, I better get another job. So that was when it kind of came to me like, all right, I'm going to start my own interior design firm. And it was, it was truly as simplistic as just calling and emailing all my friends and all my family and saying, I know this sounds crazy. I used to work in movies and TV, but now I'm an interior designer. Do you know anybody who needs someone? And, and I, I oftentimes think if you can go at something with a with just a much more simplistic, clear view rather than having all these things layered on top of it, it again goes back to that sort of fearless attitude. It lets you attack something. It lets you go after your goals. Whereas other times, if you layer on all this other stuff that has to happen before you can start a business, oftentimes you won't really do it. So so for me, it was a much more simplistic approach to start my, my own firm and just say, hey, you know, it's kind of that, that idea of you've got a chicken, I've got a pot, they've got some carrots, let's come together and make soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love so, that analogy. That's wonderful. You know, it's, it just, I, I, I just find a lot of times a more simplistic approach allows you to really attack your goals and, and accomplish something instead of being crippled by, I don't have enough to do this or I need capital or whatever. You know, my business started out of my apartment for, oh my gosh, I don't think I got an office until after I'd had my company for maybe six or seven years. So, mm. um, it, it it really is as as simple as just saying, guess what? This is what I'm doing now. So um, probably the toughest part was getting jobs, photographing them, and then building a website. But um, you know, I'm I'm always a cheerleader, and I'm going to tell everybody, you got to start somewhere. So just jump in and do it. <laughs> so how did you? I mean, obviously you used word of mouth. That only gets you so far. How did you start getting jobs? How did you start to build up a clientele? You know, I would say I did, as crazy as it sounds, my very first job was a restaurant in New York City. So that was without a doubt, you know, the baptism of fire. Really? Um, but Literally? I, 
Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And it was a huge gut renovation. And um, I think, I think for me, the biggest thing was um, people starting to see that I was, you know, working in the industry and and I think also even when you do a TV show, people don't. My worst clients that I've ever worked with have been the clients that found me from the TV shows that I've done. The best clients are the people that I've met, um, you know, just through friends, and then their friends recommend me, and then their friends recommend me. So, um, word of mouth, I say, I think is the biggest. Um, is has been the biggest way I've grown my business. And the other thing is I think I'm very budget conscious on on most jobs and uh and that comes from working in makeover TV, you know, twelve hours and six thousand dollars, you become pretty resourceful. And so I would say now most of my clients love the fact that I work on a budget or I can help them get a really big look uh, for a lower price. And, um, you know, it was an interesting thing for me a few years ago. I kind of set a goal for myself and I said, I want to reach out to all my clients through House, the website House. Sure. And I want the client to review me on House. And it's quite good. And I recommend this the designers if they haven't done it in the past because if clients aren't sure if they like your pricing structure or whatever, if you have 25 great reviews from clients you've worked with on house, you can very easily send them and say, okay, this is how it works. If you're not 100% sure about it, check out these reviews and what these people have said about me and and it just gives you a little bit of a flavor of who I am and what I do. Oh, my gosh. I started sending these emails out. And people know if it's a review on house, the person has actually written it. There's no way the designer could write it and flog it in there. It's got to be vetted through their website. And and I know a lot of designers have issues with house, but I would recommend that people use it because I sat back and started to read some of the reviews that these people wrote, and it was amazing. It made me feel like a million bucks, and I'd say nine out of ten of them appreciated the value um, and how conscious I was of being careful with their money. So I think that's really what I built my design business on was value, look, and bang for your buck. Now, you had a TV background, even in your design business, you've now, I mean, you appear on TV as a design expert and specialist all the time. Um, you've been on Good Morning America and all kinds of shows. How did that come about? Was that because you had prior media connections or was that people discovered your work? How did you um, make that happen? It's It's kind of a combination. I would say... Um, I work really hard to create content, and I put a lot of content out, whether it's e-blast or things on websites or stuff that can easily be found on Google. 
And I'm not one of those designers that withholds. I'm not the one who says, oh, don't give all the secrets. Then people need to hire interior designers. I give it up all the time. And I think what happened was once I started to do that, people started to reach out to me and they would say, oh, you know, we saw you, you know, I was on the Rachel Ray show for three years as Rachel's interior design buddy. And that came because I did an article in Glamour magazine, again, kind of going back to that budget idea and a hook, which was um, making over an apartment and you can only use paint. And a producer from the Rachel Ray show saw that in Glamour and she said, would you come on the show and do a makeover and we're only going to let you use paint? And I was like, sure. So that's how that came about. But I think in the Today Show came about because I was doing, I had a monthly column in House Beautiful magazine. And Again, that was just all about sharing design tips and ideas and real things that people could use. And so I would say that most of those opportunities are generated less through connections and more from just trying to get as much content out in the marketplace, the web space, you know, online as possible. And and that's when I think things really start to come back to you. So, and I think also, I mean, we all know, you know better than anybody else does, publishing has changed. And mm-hmm. so what used to be coveted as, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a, a home I've designed on the pages of this magazine, well, that landscape has changed drastically. So Digital media is as important for all of us right now as anything else. Um, And sometimes I can reach more people on a social media post than would potentially buy an issue of a magazine and, and, you know, try to find me that way. So I think it's being open to it, but I think it's also you've got to be prolific in creating content and you've got to be generous in sharing the content. That's a really interesting point because I think so many times people think about parsing things out and being very careful and um, it's just an interesting, and and the word you used that I think it's a, a great word is prolific. I mean, truthfully, I follow you on Instagram, um, (laughs) and I mean, really, anyone who follows you kind of knows what you're up to almost any given day. Almost any given day. That's what it is. And I I will say, too, that um, the the idea of doing things and withholding, um, I think that might, that recipe might work for some people. But in this day and age, there's just so much noise out there that it's really hard to break through. And and I think it's important for everybody to kind of find out what their own secret sauce is. And for me, my secret sauce is just sharing my libiness. You know, I could be that person who shares really gorgeous images of beautiful rooms that other people have done, but I think my 
success in building my brand has been creating a persona of accessibility and somebody who's really approachable and 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 again everybody's just got to find out what works for them but um you know for me it's it's more just that moment of oh Ruby she's fun you know she's great she's going to tell us like it is and 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 so in that respect i think i think just trying to share as much information with people as i can helps sort of foster that approachable um, you know, side of me. Well, it always has been my impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that was not so much a strategic attempt as that's kind of authentically who you are. You are approachable. I mean, you work with all of our publications. You work with lots of different folks. You, I mean, calling you up is very easy to do, and you respond right away. And so, I mean, do you think that the, the authenticity of the fact that you're not strategically approachable, you're just approachable and it, and it kind of works for you. Um, do you Thank think that that you. helps for your brand? Yeah, I do. And, and I, you know, I, it's, it's funny because every now and then a, a new potential client will call and they'll say, oh, well, who does Libby scheduling? And, and everybody in my office just kind of laughs and they say, yeah, you're better off just emailing Libby. She'll make a plan with you. You'll figure it out. So it is. I it is authentic, and that is is very much who I am, and and how I want to operate and and run my business. And um, I also find that it keeps it. Again, I keep going to this thing. I want to work smarter, not harder. I want to keep it simple, and and to have a middleman and all these other people to go through, oftentimes can just create one more step for me um and and so it it just feels easier to be in touch with people and and have them hear me and hear my voice and and just kind of take it from there so yeah good i'm glad you think that <laughs> well I, I mean you you have a, a very interesting and i'm going to put this in air quotes people can't see this but i'm putting it in, um an entourage when you travel you travel with your own quote unquote photographer um <laughs> tell people about that because i think it's, it's yes. so warm and wonderful and but let me it's not so much fun well what's neat is honestly being born and you know growing up in high point being born and raised there for me, when I go back for market, it's a totally different experience than for most of my designer friends from all over the country. Uh, you know, when I go back to market, I'm I'm getting to go home. I get to stay at my mom's, and she makes me breakfast, and we just have such a good time. And she's been involved in the industry for so long, and uh, so. But she, in addition to to being a designer, she's also a photographer. Yeah. So it's so much fun, and she is now being officially referred to as my mamarazzi because <laughs> she literally goes everywhere with me, whatever events I have happening. And you know, you've been captured by the mamarazzi on some Furniture Today TV in the morning. I have. Um, but it's really fun. And you know what? It's also a great record of of all that happens during market and then 
I get to use the pictures and, and it's just so much fun. So yeah, for me, going to market is a very personal sort of week instead of just old business and parties and, and all of this. So we, it's just such nice time I get to spend with her and, uh, and it's fun when she's there snapping photos of everything that's happening. And and I get to use them throughout the rest of the year, you know, because as, as we know, as content creators, the picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, sp- speaking from the parental perspective, I would think that has to be really nice for her, too, to be able to share in your life and to have that kind of relationship. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And she is so proud of me. And and my dad was in the furniture industry. Uh, He was in textiles, and he since passed away five years ago. But uh, for the two of them to sort of see me um, just really start to spread my wings in an industry that they were so involved in for so many years, I think is is very rewarding and and whenever I do a a new collection or an introduction or or something you know they were always just so proud and so it's fun that my mom gets to experience that now and uh and it's all also so nice you know going through markets whether it's showtime or or the furniture market and so oftentimes people come up and they say oh I knew your dad or I worked with your mom, and and so that's really fun. So you get the feeling of the history of the industry, and and not just all the the new designer stuff that that we kind of experience now. So it feels like a real homecoming for sure. Sure. And speaking of spreading your wings and new collections, um, you now have kind of celebrity on TV, building up an interior design business from scratch, and now you have your own brands in that people are licensing the Libby brand. Um, Tell us a little bit how that evolved, and then, of course, let's get to the new stuff, the new collections. Yes. Well, you know, it was fun, and I will say, honestly, when I started doing the very first makeover show, Design Invasion, I knew this was a second career, and I most likely wasn't going to be the the architectural digest. That probably wasn't going to be my lane, that um, traveling into real people's homes uh, and getting to see how they lived and what they needed and tips and design ideas that they needed, that sort of was the thing that made me sit back and think, oh, I think product design will be a more will be the lucrative way for me to to move through this rather than trying to start you know designing 40 million dollar homes that just probably wasn't going to do it and so I knew from the beginning actually that I wanted to get into licensing and product design and and felt that with the combination of my media and sort of approachable real person design that would be that would become a really good um you know segment of my my business and so you know to get into that it was almost just approaching people that i already worked with and saying hey you know 
what do you think if I kind of brought a new look or a new aesthetic? And that's always been really important to me, too, is to partner with companies where I'm not cannibalizing and just sort of doing what they're already doing, but rather bringing them a new audience, bringing them a new design aesthetic, and and kind of creating a new a new channel uh, for them design-wise and, and business-wise. And so I'm so excited because this market, I'm launching my first case goods line and upholstery with Fairfield. And they are just a wonderful company and a family-owned company. They're fabulous, um, out of Lenore. And I had just had an amazing time working with them. And it was a it was a great, great moment when I met with them. And we just kind of, you know, every now and then you just meet with somebody and you just kind of click. It's really easy. And and that was what it felt like when I met with um, Dixon Mitchell of Fairfield and Jim Craven, who's the head of their sales. They're just great people and they felt like it was a good time for me to come in and and offer them a new look and it was a great way for me to get involved and kind of flex my muscles doing a new category of case goods which I've never done before so um it's just it's been amazing and I can't wait for you to see it I just I think people are gonna be surprised and and not that I'm saying anything bad about myself, but I think some people are going to kind of look at it and say, wow, we didn't know Libby had it in her. You know, it's just I think it's that good. And I cannot wait for people to experience the collection and, and just see all the different dimensions to the designs. It's, it's incredible. So so I'll be launching that in October. Oh, well, I, I don't think it's that Libby didn't have it in her. I think that Libby is continuing to grow, and now they're just getting to see the newest evolution of Libby. Yes, I, I do feel that, and I, I love that take on it because it's true. I feel like we can all keep growing in our businesses, and I think that's um, part of the fun in evolving and taking things to the next level. So... Uh, I think what's going to be so nice, too, about the the Fairfield launch is within the Fairfield showroom, I'll also be incorporating my new rug collection for Cass, um, which, again, I'm really excited. It's a whole new construction of me that I haven't really been able to to play in yet, and so I think that look is just going to be elevated. And then I'm also launching um, my first wall decor collection for Paragon. And so that's, so within the Fairfield showroom will be rugs for Cass, all of the furniture for Fairfield, wall decor for Paragon, and then also all my lighting from Crystalrama. So it's, it's going to be, Libby Orama, Florida ceiling, and I can't wait. <laughs> Libby Orama, I love that. It, it's a Libby Orama, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Now people who are listening know where they have to go to what and what they want to see at High Point Market. 
Absolutely. Libby, Absolutely. thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate it. I look forward to you joining me on TV also. Um, and we'll talk more there. And uh, we'll certainly have to come and shoot some videos so people can see it themselves on FurnitureToday.com. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I cannot wait to see you. And I, I look forward to seeing you on TV in High Plain and in the Fairfield showroom. Well, thank you. You have a wonderful day and enjoy Sag Harbor. All right. Thanks so much, Bill. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye.